Hi, friends. I'm Mandy. And I'm Missy. And we're the Wayward Homesteaders. In this podcast, we will talk about homesteading and homeschooling. We will cover topics like food preservation, gardening, unschooling, and all the things we enjoy doing with our families. Grow with us as we talk about creating a homestead full of poop, plants, permaculture, and everything in between. Hi, friends. This is Mandy from Chapel Hill Forge. And this is Missy from Homesteading Roots. And today we are going to be continuing our series on food preservation. So it's a five-part series. We've already covered dehydrating and freeze-drying. So we did dehydrating two weeks ago, uh, freeze-drying last week, and today we're going to be talking about freezing. So freezing may seem like, why are you talking about freezing? That's the simplest thing ever. And I hear that. But there are a few things that I feel like are important to know when you're getting ready to freeze stuff. Some things you don't necessarily just want to throw in the freezer without doing some kind of pre-treating. Um, some people have never had a deep freezer or they didn't grow up with a deep freezer. And so they don't really know the ins and outs of using one. Um, we have multiple freezers, upright and chest freezers. So we'll talk a little bit about the pros and cons of both of those. Um, the space and things like that and so the other reason that we're covering freezing is we wanted to make sure that if you wanted to start preserving food and start creating food security within your home that this the information in this podcast could be as accessible to everyone as possible not everybody has three grand laying around that they can go buy a freeze dryer um you know so we offer the dehydrator option which is you know we talked about it's only like 160 um, as opposed to a freeze dryer that is, you know, 3000 or more. Um, So with freezing, I feel like everybody, assumingly, everybody has a fridge that has a freezer either under it or next to it. Um, And if you want to take the step to get a deep freezer and start doing some more things in a deep freezer just to have some extra that it's not just what's in your fridge currently um you know for the most part even still with inflation you can get like a nice five cubic foot deep freezer for 200 somewhere around there we typically and i know missy and jeremy got theirs at sam's club too we'll grab them at sam's club i mean obviously they care at costco bj's um, you can get them at Lowe's or Home Depot. We actually got one from Lowe's that had a dent in it, and we wound up getting it for like 50 bucks. So sometimes you can find scratch and dent freezers and things like that. We see them on Marketplace, Facebook Marketplace often. Um, obviously, like with any other appliance, the newer it is, the less it's going to cost to run. Um, but Deep freezers, chest freezers in general, really don't cost that much. On average, they cost like 10 cents a day to run. Um, Obviously, different parts of the country, that's going to vary. If your electric, you know, kilowatt per hour price is more or things like that, it might vary a little bit. Um, But in general, a deep freezer is just a really economic way to store up food, whether it's because you found it on sale, you decide you're going to go in with some friends and get like a quarter of beef or whatever. Um, so Missy has um, one chest freezer, right? Yes. Yeah. So they have their one chest freezer, um, their extra fridge, and then their fridge with the freezer in the house. So, you know, kind of three different spots to put some things to freeze. Um, we have our four chest freezers and then an upright And I know that sounds really ridiculous. Like, why do you need that many freezers? Um, But we often buy animals 
in bulk. Um, and what I mean by that is like, we just bought a quarter of bison. Um, in the past, we've gotten a quarter of beef. Um, we're raising 16 broad-breasted white turkeys. So when those babies are ready, I'm going to need somewhere to go with them. We'll get them butchered and just freeze them whole. So I'm going to need space for those. We have 30 Cornish cross chickens that are going to need somewhere to go. So you know, I'm going to need this freezer space to put those animals into. Um, I know Missy gets a lot of things from Azure Standard um, that she puts in her deep freezer. You want to talk about some of the stuff you get from there? Sure. Um, so I mostly use my deep freezer for meats, storing of meats. Um, I do get big bags of diced onion and diced celery because I feel like they're always needed in recipes. And I hate chopping onions. They make me cry so bad. Um, and it's just always a big mess. So I get these big bags from Azure. And it's a fair price. Um, and I just keep them in the freezer. And when I need either onions or celery for a recipe, I go in and I grab the bag. I knock it on the counters. It, it you know breaks apart. I grab what I need. I throw it in. I roll the bag back up. And I stick the bag back in the freezer. And I don't have to think about it again. I don't have onions that are going bad and sprouting in my pantry that aren't being used. Um, you know, same with celery. I feel like celery doesn't last very long in the refrigerator, but having a bag of it in the freezer is amazing for like homemade soups and, you know, just adding to recipes. So mainly I use mine for that kind of stuff and meats. I don't really like make meals ahead of time and then freeze them. If I'm doing that, um, I usually, I'm going to use the freeze dryer now or, um, we just eat it. Like, I don't really, I haven't really planned out meals to freeze yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's a good point. A lot of people, especially if you're working outside the house and you are a big meal planner, you know, a deep freezer is a huge asset because you can put things in little plastic containers or whatever you want to do and they're just ready to go. So as far as, so let's talk about containers. So what can you freeze in? What should you not freeze in? you know, all of those kinds of things. So for the most part, I would say Zad and I freeze everything in quart Ziplocs, gallon Ziplocs. Um, I'd say almost everything is in quart Ziplocs, you know, blueberries, peaches. Um, when we do corn in the summer, you know, we always use quart Ziplocs and, you know, I, this seems like super basic information, but you know, there are Ziplocs that are not for freezers and there's ones that are for freezers. So you can tell they're thinner and thicker. Um, we buy Ziploc brand Ziplocs because I guess I'm a little bit of a Ziploc snot. Um, and I know that they're going to hold up and they're not going to rip on me or whatever. Um, so we buy those in bulk from Sam's club and just get them shipped to our house. And I always have those in stock because, you know, if, I run on a really great deal on, you know, bush bushels of peaches or something. And I don't have time to do canning. I need to have those Ziplocs ready to go because like Missy said, they're just going to sit there and rot. So this kind of circles back around to the whole diversification of your food stores um, and how, you know, you don't want to just can everything or just freeze everything or just freeze dry everything. You should really try to keep it diversified. One, it just keeps things maybe a little more interesting in your diet. Um, but it also just gives you a little more security in that. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. Um, if the power goes out and your freezers go down, you know, you're going to be scrambling to get all that stuff put together. If your canning shelf, Lord forbid, this would make me cry. But if your canning shelf would like who knows? It falls. There's an earthquake, whatever. You know, all that stuff is all over the floor. 
if if mice or rodents get into your freeze dryer bags or stuff that you've dehydrated, you know, it's all gone. So I am all about just diversifying your food stores as best you can. And a freezer is, in my opinion, of these five preservation methods we're talking about, it's the easiest way. For the most part, for the most part, not everything, you chop it up, throw it in a bag, and you're done. So as far as containers go, we pretty much always use ziplocs um now i know there's definitely the case of okay you're throwing that plastic in the trash etc and that is true we are doing that now in lancaster county um we have uh an incinerator that not us but the county uses an incinerator to burn the trash and turn it into energy so they have a great recycling program and then whatever can't be recycled for the most part is turned into energy which I guess that gives me a little bit of comfort knowing that my Ziploc isn't just going in the landfill. Um, And unfortunately, I know that's not the case all over the country. But, you know, we do try to not make waste really in all facets of our life as best we can. So I guess I just feel like my um, contribution to my trash is just going to be my Ziplocs. So you don't have to use Ziplocs, though. You can definitely use reusable things. So you can use like the plastic containers like... um, Rubbermaid containers or Tupperware containers or, you know, like Ziploc has a brand of plastic containers. You can use those. I've found sometimes, and the reason that I don't use these is they do tend to crack. Um, you know, if you, if it's been in there for a while, it gets, you know, stuck on the bottom of the freezer, it gets crushed or whatever. Um, you know, sometimes that happens, which is unfortunate when you spend all that time getting it ready to go in the freezer. And then the other thing you can use is glass. Um, with using glass, you definitely need to make sure that you leave some headspace. Uh, would you say an inch, Missy? I feel like that's usually a pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Usually an inch would, would give you what you need because it is going to expand, of course. Um, so you could use any of those things. Obviously, of those options, the plastic containers, the glass, you can reuse. <clears throat> Ziplocs, you might be able to reuse. I would say it probably depends how long it was in there. Do you yeah. feel like washing it? All that kind of stuff. Um, so what are you going to put in those containers? So some things when you are freezing, you really should be blanching. I know that there are some people out there that say blanching is stupid. I never blanch anything and everyone lived. And that's probably true. Um, blanching is basically boiling your vegetables or whatever for, I would say for the most part, I blanch for a minute to two minutes. Um, I kind of just go by visual. So like if I'm blanching, peas for instance i bring some peas in from the garden i want to blanch them as soon as they're bright green i pull them out and i get them in ice water um and sit them in there for a second and then i just pop them right in the ziploc so blanching would be considered like a pre-treatment um and the point of it is that it stops the enzymes and that helps keep the flavor the color the texture as best as it can be when it's in the freezer. Um, so there is some science behind blanching. It's not just something that like, you know, your great grandmother did. And so you decide that you're doing it too. Um, things that I blanch personally would be like broccoli, spinach, uh, string beans, okra, like I said, corn. So like every summer, August ish or so we get, I don't know, 25, 30 or more dozen ears of corn, um, cut it off, 
or we cook it on the cook it on the cob, cut it off, and we freeze it. And that's like one of our favorite things to freeze. That is one thing that I almost always freeze. I have not pressure canned corn yet. Um, I might. I do like the way it freezes, though. It comes out really well, um, and, and it's just you know delicious sweet corn from the freezer in the middle of December. It, there's just no comparison to that compared to like a can of nasty whole kernel corn from the grocery store. Um, <laughs> things that I do not blanch that I also freeze would be things like peppers. Um, I always make sure that I do peppers in a vacuum seal bag because I feel like peppers are one of those things that the ice just creeps in so easily. Um, and once I feel like once they get freezer burnt, they're really they're going to the chickens they're just not that great at that point um another thing that i love to freeze is grated zucchini so if you've ever grown zucchini or even if you just live in an area where there's farm stands when it's zucchini season like you know people are trying to give their zucchini away um and that's an amazing one to just grate up throw it in bags and my mom is a huge fan of freezing things in the portion she knows she's going to use so like if her zucchini bread recipe for instance calls for two cups of zucchini she's going to freeze it in two cup portions i try to adhere to things like that i'm not quite as responsible one day i'll grow up and (laughs) maybe you know (laughs) freeze that way but uh, you know you can freeze it you could stuff the bag full you can freeze it in the portions whatever you want to do um so those would be things that I do blanch, don't blanch. I personally never blanch fruit. Um, like I said, we love to freeze blueberries, strawberries, peaches, whatever. Um, and the reason that we freeze those for the most part is I can just drop those right in the Vitamix. And we can make smoothies like all summer long. So we put in a little yogurt or a little milk, um, protein powder. We use like pea protein powder um, or peanut butter protein powder. Put your frozen fruit in and you have like the perfect consistency for smoothies. Um, and the time to buy that stuff is in the summer when you can get bushels for cheap um, or cheaper than, you know, the store bought peaches in the middle of January kind of thing. So, um, Missy, when you do so meat, um, you mm-hmm. probably buy more meat at the store or singly from a butcher, at least in Florida. Um yes than you did when you were here so if you go like to the butcher you go to piggly wiggly or wherever and you get some meat so like what's your process say you go buy like i don't know 15 pounds of meat from the butcher okay so what we do is um normally we've been trying really hard to do meal planning and only buy meats that we're going to actually make meals out of because you know who doesn't have a freezer full at the bottom of meat that you don't know how long it's been in there and it's all freezer burn and you just hate to throw it away because it's wasted money. But, you know, so that has been our big game changer is to plan when we go meat shopping, we plan for specific meals. So I'll buy like the big tube of ground beef from Sam's and we come home and we separate it into one pound Ziploc bag. So that way, you know, when we're doing a recipe or whatever it calls for one pound, we go and we grab a bag. We know it's as close to one pound. I mean, we're not real, um, anal about that, but it'll be as close to one pound. We just grab one of those bags. If we're meal planning, we open the freezer, we look in, we see, okay, we have six pounds of ground beef. So we know we could do, you know, a couple meals that involve ground beef. Um, we usually buy like roast slot too, and we can always get a couple meals out of the roasts. Um, we either do it in the, the pressure cooker or just in the oven. Um, and then we can get like a meal or two out of that. Um, what else have we So, like, bought? when you buy your roast, I mean, when you get it from, like, Sam's, it's not vacuum sealed, right? It's, it's it, just in, like, right. the, 
nasty foam with the plastic. So do you bring it home? Do you drop it in a Ziploc? Do you vacuum seal it? We normally, lately anyway, have been just dropping them in Ziplocs. We definitely take them out of the the foam package. I hate that pad that's underneath mm. it. Like Blech. we call it the maxi pad of meat. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. So like we get it out of that, get rid of it. And then we either, if we know it's not going to be, it's going to be a while till we make something from it, then we will um, vacuum seal it and put it in the freezer. Um, but normally we just take, take it out of the package. We divvy it up. Sometimes we'll get a huge roast from Sam's and we'll actually cut it in half and then, you know, store it separately in zip- Ziploc bags. Um, my one thing to recommend is that you label all of your bags and even put the date on your bags. You know, we, we do um, a system, we call it the first in first out system. So we put the date on so that we know, you know, the first ones that go in are going to be the first ones that come out. And we try to like organize our freezers so that, you know, you reach in, it's easiest. The oldest stuff is easiest and on top to use. So, um, I've had stuff where I'm, I've been lazy. I throw it in a bag and I throw it in the freezer. I'm like, Oh, I'll remember what this is. Hmm. You know, a couple of weeks down the road, I open the freezer. I'm like, what in the heck is this? Is this beef? Is this ham? I, what is it? And you know, then I, tend to avoid that because I'm not really sure what it is. And then in turn, you know, that's wasted money. Yeah. Uh, That's funny that you said about things that you don't label. So I am notorious for not labeling things. Uh, (laughs) My husband gets on me about it all the time. He always labels things. He, which is so funny because like he hates spelling and writing and, but he labels everything. Um, Something I never label and I always kick myself for it is I have bags in the freezer for scraps like um, pork bones, beef bones, you know, onion scraps and all that so that I can make bone broth. Well, I never label it. So I'm sitting there looking at it like, okay, this is pretty brown. It must be beef or bison. Okay, this is pretty white. It must be turkey or chicken. But (laughs) then a couple, gosh, miss, when was that? Like a few months ago, we had taken a few things of theirs before they moved to Florida. (laughs) that they just you know trying to transport it was not going to happen and we're trying to figure out what this mystery meat is so i'm sending a picture to my dad i'm asking missy and jeremy they don't know what it is and my dad thought it was duck zad thought it was duck and then at some point i think it was zad was like we we made it and it was delicious and we figured out that it was pheasant yeah and (laughs) i'm like i'm texting missy i'm like did you guys like, I don't know, go pheasant hunting or like, where did this random pheasant come from? It happened to come from their downstairs neighbor when they lived here. Um, uh, so more of the story is label it. If you don't want to be standing there for the entire day, trying to figure out what that mystery meat was that you ate last night. Um, so, and we just write on it with a Sharpie. I mean, yeah. and that seems, I would say for the most part, just stays on in the freezer. Um, so, yeah. And so that's a good, a good point. Just talking about buying meat like at the store versus buying it in bulk. So for the most part, Zad and I always buy ours in bulk. And I know that's your plan. You, know, you just don't have the same resources there as we right. readily available as we do here. Not to say you can't buy a quarter of beef in Florida. I'm sure you can. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. Um, so something I love about buying quarters or halves or, you know, like we got a whole pig or whatever. Um, when you get that stuff from the butcher, it's already vacuum sealed. It's already labeled. Mm -hmm. So like you come home from the butcher, you open up the freezer, you dump the box in and move along. Um, that's my favorite. It is absolutely my preferred way to buy meat and store meat. Um, 
Now, like when we get our turkeys and our chickens and things butchered, they're going to come back to us in our butcher puts them in like clear bags with like a twist tie or whatever. Um, And I know someone's going to come at me about this. Why don't we do our own butchering just as a mini side trail? We personally are not doing our own butchering at this point because I'm nursing a baby. We have a wild toddler. We just have a lot of things going on. And that's just one thing, at least in this phase of my life, that I can outsource fairly inexpensively we use an Amish butcher down the road he's fantastic they're also a young family just started their butchering business um, a couple years ago and I just like supporting them so that's why we're not butchering right now would we butcher if like shit hit the fan and I really needed to butcher my own turkeys of course I would but for right now it's something I can outsource that makes my life a little bit easier and it still makes my cost per pound much more reasonable than the grocery store so just that little side note um yeah so buying in bulk from farmers is i mean i think the way to go and i know even for missy you know she's just doing what she needs to do while they're there but obviously i feel like you would also too just rather go get your box from the farmer dump it in there and move along i mean it saves you handling all this raw meat and repackaging and all that stuff so um I would encourage you to go find a farmer that you can buy stuff from and just save yourself a bunch of time. Right. Um, okay. So uses for the frozen thing. So a lot of times, um, you know, I post usually everything that I'm doing on Instagram and Facebook. And, um, you know, I always get questions about what are you going to use that for? What are you going to use that for? Um, so I love buying bananas in bulk. We have a hardware store. That sounds so random, but there's a hardware store here in like, <laughs> County, and they have a little little grocery store attached to them um and they just have cool stuff like you know there's canning lids and dewalt drills and then the next aisle over you can get a case of bananas um it's really a one-stop shop so um i got a case of bananas last week i think there was like 20 bunches in it um it basically came out to like a dollar a bunch for bananas which is phenomenal we love those as a base in smoothies um and of course the kids could each eat their weight in fresh bananas um But so for bananas, like I just peel them, uh, the peels go to the goats or the chickens or whatever. And then I drop in like for us, four bananas is perfect. One banana for each big person, half a banana for each small person for their little smoothies. And it works great. Um, So like for bananas, um, the use for those for us is either banana bread, muffins or smoothies. Um, This time of year. So it's June. um, Blueberries are coming into season. I usually also buy those in bulk from our local farmer um, and he gets them from Jersey and I buy them in, I think they're 20 pound cases. Um, Blueberries are just the bomb for freezing because there is literally no prep. You open the box, you put handfuls of blueberries in cord Ziplocs or you vacuum seal them, whatever you want to do. And you throw them in the freezer done and then you can eat those cold like in the summer um you can just eat them as like a yummy frozen snack or throw them in a smoothie or you can put them in oatmeal or i mean there's just endless things that you could do with them um if you have a freeze dryer and you know your freeze dryer is really backed up because the garden's bursting and it's the middle of summer and you just picked up these blueberries um you could throw those in the freezer and then you can drop them on freeze dry trays And they keep their shape really well in the freezer. You could freeze dry them and probably still just eat them as like a freeze dried snack. Or you could make blueberry powder. Um, You know, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know that Missy and I are huge fans of powders of all sorts. Um, And blueberry powder is fantastic, again, to add to smoothies, yogurt, uh, oatmeal, things like that. Um, Some other maybe 
less conventional things that we personally freeze um, is butter. So we usually make our own butter. We get heavy cream from uh, the dairy down the road because we are currently only milking goats. And if you milk goats, you know this, but their milk is naturally homogenized. So the fat, the cream, all that is all mixed in. Um, and you have to get a cream separator in order to get the cream off of your goat milk. Um, now, dairy cows, obviously, that's not the case. The cream rises to the top and you skim it off and you make your butter with that. But we love to just get half gallons of the heavy cream from our local dairy, make butter, and then we can freeze it. Um, and it freezes amazingly. Um, so Missy had mentioned, we were talking about this beforehand, about parchment paper and how parchment paper can be a really big asset when you're freezing. So we'll wrap our butter in parchment paper and then just drop it in a Ziploc and throw it in the freezer. It maybe is a little crumblier when you pull it out, but if you're just using it to cook with, or I mean, even if you're spreading it like on a roll, I mean, who cares when you pull it out and you sit it on the counter, it's going to get kind of soft and then you're just going to use it like normal butter. And if you're not making your own butter, um, and you buy boxes of butter at the store. I mean, when we were buying boxes of butter, we just threw it in the freezer in its box. We literally did not prep it at all. And it was perfectly perfect. Um, milk is another thing. Um, so you can put up milk in the jug that it comes in. So if you buy a gallon or half gallon of milk, you just, it's the same concept as with the mason jars you or a glass jar whatever you have to leave an inch or two headspace because again it's going to expand so um i like having an extra gallon or two of milk in the freezer just for you know like whatever if we get like a really bad snowstorm or you know things like that we have little kids not that they have to have milk um but it is just a nice thing to have in the freezer. I really don't feel like the consistency changes. You can still just drink it like normal milk or, or do whatever you do with milk. Bake with it or add it to your oatmeal or whatever. Um, so juices would be the same concept. Just make sure you pull a little out. Um, so those are probably a lot of the things that we tend to freeze. We also personally have like a fruit freezer, a vegetable freezer, we have a bison and venison freezer, a poultry freezer, and then we kind of have one that's like pork and like a couple other random things. So if you got to the point where you kind of had multiple freezers, um, separating them by what they are really helps. So, Miss, what's you, how do you guys organize your freezer? Are you using like crates? Do you have things in boxes? Do you just throw it all in and make a big mess? What do you do? So our deep freezer, we have crates in there. Now ours are just like plastic. I think I got them at the dollar store. They're like little gray um, crates. And we have one for like chicken. We have one for beef. We have one for pork. And like I label the crates, but then I also label my bags. I like it that way because also um, storing them in the Ziploc, I can, before they're frozen, I can flatten them so that they'll lay nicely and it'll stack up nicely. Now, do things fall out? Yes. But that's like another great reason why the bag's labeled. Because if I have random bags laying in the bottom of the freezer, then I know, okay, this just fell out of the chicken crate, you know, let's put that back in. Um, I Basically, the kids know where to go as far as hey, go grab me a pound of ground beef. They know like what freezer it's in. We kind of keep ours organized as 
like the meats or meats and vegetables are in our deep freezer. Now the freezer that's our extra fridge out in the garage, that's like the kids quick meals. Like we have chicken nuggets in there. The kids have popsicles in there. If we get ice cream, we'll keep ice cream in there. That's kind of like the snack freezer. Um, the one in the house is the stuff that we use pretty much consistently, like our bags of vegetables that we use for dinners. Um, we keep our butter like ours has the you know it's a slide out drawer and then it has another drawer on the top so we i buy my butter at aldi and you know it's their sweet cream butter and if you look at their ingredients it's actually not very much different than organic butter that you can buy um i forget what that really Kerrygold, the Kerrygold yeah. butter the ingredients in that aren't much different than the Kerrygold butter but the price is a huge difference so i buy in bulk from aldi and then we'll keep we go through butter like you wouldn't even believe um, your husband is the butterest eaten man on he the is the he is oh my gosh so we keep that in the drawer in our inside freezer and then just things you know like the, that we use often i'm trying to think what else i've recently too when i make bread i'll make an extra batch of dough and then i'll freeze that in our freezer so that you know that's just one last step that i have to do next time i want to make bread i just pull that out i sit it on the counter i let it thaw and then it does its rise and all that and then there you go you have that extra so that's been new to me since you know moving to florida and making our own bread and doing that um and that yeah and that you really have to watch too like freezer burn is a big um we can touch on that in a little bit or if you want me to touch on that now yeah no go ahead um okay so i think that's pretty much how we organize our freezers. I was just trying to think if there's anything. So do you guys ever, speaking of freezer burn, do you guys ever freeze the bread made or do you always freeze the dough? I always freeze the dough. Honestly, once it's made, it's gone. Like if we use it, a lot of times I'll do it with dinner. So if we have a loaf of bread for dinner, nope, it's gone. Like I haven't, I, I've frozen store-bought bread before and I'm not a fan of when it comes Mm -hmm. out. So I don't really tend to do that, but, um, I've found part of my issue with freezing like meals or stuff is freezer burn. To me, freezer burn is so frustrating because, you know, you work so hard, you prepare it, you put it in the freezer, you think everything's okay. Then you go to get it out and it's coated in ice and, you know, the taste of it, the texture is just completely different. So that's kind of why I steer away from freezing like Uh, meals and stuff that I've cooked because before you freeze something you want to make sure that it is completely cooled down you don't want to have any warm spots in it because that's what creates the icicles and honestly the ice on it that you see is just the first issue with uh, freezer burn so what that ice is is it's the moisture that's come out of your meat or your vegetable or whatever and that's now formed on top and created this ice so all that moisture has been pulled out of your meat or your vegetables um and you know you're either going to throw it away or rinse it down the sink you know whatever so you're already working with a dried up piece of meat and i it's just it, it's not my thing um yeah freezer burn we are, yeah. we're not fans of freezing meals at all yeah So, I mean, to avoid freezer burn, like I said, you know, make sure your meals and stuff are completely cooled down. You want to get as much air out of the container. That's why I also like to do, you know, the Ziplocs or the um, vacuum sealer because it pulls out as much air. You don't want the transfer of air, you know, the warm air going in. That still causes crystals. And every time you open the door, you know, a gush of warm air goes in. And so, um, 
yeah so keep get the air as much air as you can out of your containers that's a little hard when using like the ziploc containers yeah. or you know the mason jars but you know it is what it is um i love yeah. that you mentioned about the dough because i was actually just talking to zad about like um okay so we after zad's heart attack like we for the most part ditched like white flour white sugar like we still keep it on hand but for the most part we eat like different kinds of flour like you know we have like quinoa pasta and we have whole wheat flour and things like that um so we obviously aren't just buying traditional bread and we don't always have time to make bread like especially this time of year Mm -hmm. and I'm saying I don't have time for something because what I'm really saying is I haven't made it enough of a priority um and I need to so like this week we're tearing apart our bathroom and the house is horrendous and everything is just a mess um so I grab we like Dave's killer bread so if we do buy store-bought bread we get Dave's killer bread it's expensive it's like six dollars um like a loaf but I can read all the ingredients. I know that it doesn't have a bunch of crap in it that we don't want to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, I personally don't like store-bought bread because it has the same <clears throat> has the same ingredient in it that is in Jim Mats, which is disgusting. Ew. And chewiness. <clears throat> barf. That's a topic for another podcast. But my point is, we were talking about, like, Bud loves to make bread. Our 12-year-old loves to make bread. Um, but it's kind of a process, you know, like Missy said, you, you have to do like when she freezes her dough, she's already got all that work. All she's got to do is let it rise and and bake it. Um, so we were talking about, you know, should we freeze loaves of bread? And Zad's like, you know, I really don't like the texture of frozen bread, and I am totally with him. Um, so I love that you brought up about freezing the dough because I hadn't really even thought about just freezing the dough. So when you pull that out. Um, not to ask a dumb question, but I assume you just like let it thaw and then it naturally just still rises. Yeah. Um, no question is dumb. Don't even say I know. It. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I let it defrost and then like, you got to really plan it into your schedule for the day. It's a long process. Let it defrost. Um, and then it'll go, you know, do its rise process. I put it in whatever I'm going to bake it in, like my bread pan. I put it in that once it's defrosted and thawed and then I stick it in my oven with the, the light on like nothing more. I don't turn the oven on or anything. I stick it in there with my light on. It rises. Honestly, you cannot tell that it was frozen at all. That's awesome. And that I, we, we're we always going to go down rabbit holes. I wonder if, you know how people are making yogurt in their dehydrators because they can set the temp. I wonder if you could rise your bread in your dehydrator. Oh, probably. Um, now or, right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause people, yeah, I'm sure you can. Yep. I'm sure you could. That's so cool. Pull your trays out and just stick it in there. Yeah. Right. Um, and it would keep this time of year, keep flies and all that garbage off of it. Right. Um, okay. So as far, anything else you want to touch on about food, the food itself? Um, I, my bit, I like one of the things I struggle with is just don't let your freezer become a bottomless pit where your food, mm-hmm. you know, goes to die. Like take the time to organize it and set up bins, just get cheap bins. Like we did from the dollar store, you know, label your bins, make sure you're labeling, um, your packages and you'll be ready to rock. You'll be surprised that like when you go into your freezer, then everything's nicely labeled and organized. You're like, wow, I'm going to use this food now. Whereas just letting right. it in the bottom of your freezer, you're going to end up throwing it away because it's going to have be freezer, freezer burnt and all that good stuff. Yeah. I would say Zad and I probably try to go through our freezers at least twice a year. Um, we usually try to do it in the winter um like just ahead of spring and then we'll usually we try to do it 
like at the end of summer, but canning is so busy then. So we try to go through them twice a year, which leads me to the next thing I want to talk about is defrosting your freezer. So if you've ever had a chest freezer, you know that sometimes you get the frost build up on the side, um, which is just from opening it. And, you know, like Missy said, the warm air rushes in and whatever. So you get that buildup of the frost on the side. And again, we probably defrost our freezer once a year, maybe twice. But for the most part, you know, we're not in these things all the time that we're getting a ton of buildup. So we probably defrost them like once a year. And basically you just are unloading everything letting it defrost, cleaning up whatever water didn't, you know, evaporate or whatever, and then just, you know, cooling it back down and reloading your freezer. Um, so I, we've never, you know, had an issue if we forgot to defrost it like one year, one set of six months or whatever. Um, it'll just probably perform better. Obviously, as it builds up more, you're losing space in your freezer. You know, nobody wants to be losing their precious space to store food. So defrosting it is important. Um, so that was the first thing. The second thing I want to talk about was just the space that a freezer takes up. So um, you know, we, Missy and I have both lived in small apartments at one time or another in our lives. Um, I lived in a little teeny, oh my, it might've been 800 square feet, 700 square feet. It was a little tiny apartment. Um, two different times, actually, I lived in very small apartments and we always had a deep freezer. I mean, I just felt like the space that it took up was worth the amount of money that I was saving by buying these things in bulk, whether I bought them on sale in bulk at the grocery store, or I was getting a quarter of a steer or whatever, it was worth having the deep freezer. Um, so, you know, I had like a little galley kitchen in the apartment that Bud and I lived in, in between marriages. Um, and I just made space. Like it was just a priority for me to make sure that I had space to have a deep freezer. Um, so I think that's important. And, you know, like when you guys lived in Washington Borough, they, you know, Missy and Jeremy just made space in their, their apartment was a, a decent size, but they made space in their um, shoe room, sunroom. I don't even know what it's really called. They called it a shoe room. It was the entrance. Depended on the season. The <laughs> right. Like Multiple the mud room or the snow room. <laughs> right. The sunroom. Right. So funny. So, yeah, you know, they just made space in there for their extra fridge and their extra freezer because at the time they were feeding seven people on the regular. So it mattered to save money on food and have extra put back. Um, another thing and always the thing that I feel like especially is at the front of a prep setter's mind or whatever you want to call us um, is what happens if the power goes out. Um, so for us, like I said, we have five freezers. So this, if the power went out for an extended period of time, I'd have some work to do. Um, your freezers in general, if it's about half full and you don't open it, the food will be fine for like 24 hours. If it's packed full, you can probably get 48 hours out of it before things are going to start getting soft. Um, so for me, a big goal of mine here is to start getting the meat out of my freezer and start getting it freeze dried or pressure canned because if the power went out for a long period of time, I'm not scrambling to get all this meat put up. Mm -hmm. Um, the fruit I'm not as worried about because I guess in my mind, if things were bad, we lose power here at least once a month, I would say, um, sometimes more 
it just depends um and it usually comes back on we don't have it it's not like it's out for a long time but the power goes out nonetheless um if the power went out for like a week or so i guess in my mind with my fruit i can always turn it into jam like i can go out there and if we still had propane i could turn the propane on get my canning burners out and just make some some jam and at least it's not going to waste that way build a wood fire you know i guess it depends (laughs) what severity level we're at um so i can do that with my fruit and then but you know the meat you'd have to really be scrambling to get that much meat cooked up before it would go bad and you know everyone knows how expensive uh, meat was expensive before inflation you know so have just some other backup plans. Like if your freezer went out, do you have a generator that you can hook up to it? We have a, a small generator. It's not a huge one. Um, certainly not enough to run our house, but it would be enough to keep our freezers going. At least so we ran out of gas um, enough to keep our freezers going until we could get everything cooked up and stored in another way. Um, yeah, And what's, what's interesting but- in the South too is um, well in Florida where we live, all of our utilities are underground. So, and I'm assuming that that's because of the storms that come through. Mm -hmm. So our power does not go out nearly as often as it did, you know, living in Washington borough where our stuff wasn't underground. It was crazy. But so like, we'll get a big thunderstorm that comes through. And my first thought is, okay, the power's going to go out. What do I need to start doing to prepare? So, you know, I, I kind of forgot about that because we don't really deal with that here. Now we had, when we first moved in, we, you know, build a little a storm storage bin where we have things like flashlights and you know and one of the things that they requested you get with a generator so we got a generator so now like me you know queen of spreadsheets coming in here um mm-hmm. i have a spreadsheet that like for when if the power goes out what we need to hook up to the generator you know we have gas stored right now but you know like that eventually goes bad and the way gas prices are you know if a storm comes through like the first thing that goes in this town is gas Like just last weekend, you know, there was probably five gas stations around us that had no gas, like none. And and they were saying, you know, we don't know when our next shipment's coming in. That's kind of scary. Like you think about that before that stuff happens. But when you're in the heat of that, we were like, my car was on E, you know, with the Durango. It had like half a tank in, but we already were already out in the town and doing stuff, you know. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And like to drive to the next gas station is fine, but what if you get to that gas station, they don't have gas. Now, how are we even getting home? You know, it's a scary thing. So you got to think of all the little things. And honestly, spreadsheets have been, I used to make fun of Mandy because she would do, (laughs) she had Google docs and like, that's, I like to write. I love a good pen and I love a good pad or a good piece of paper. So that like satisfies my needs to keep spreadsheets because then I can write things in and go from there. That was the other thing. I have a spreadsheet for my in for my um what we have in our freezers and like when we use it we check it off which i don't know it it's more good to look at because i can see what's in the freezer but sometimes you just get caught up in life and i forget to cross off one pound of ground beef and then you know i feel like i'm really always going over that and so that might not be such a great spreadsheet but anyway i have a spreadsheet for like if the power goes out you know, we need to hook up the freezer, the refrigerator, you know, that kind of stuff. Just prepare yourself because when the stuff does happen, if it happens, it's going to be so much easier being prepared and ready, you know, having the things you need um, to be able to sustain life until either the power goes back on or whatever happens. 
Yeah. And I mean, I definitely feel for like, if this, if that would have happened to me, like when I lived in my apartment, um, I wouldn't have had, I mean, the stove was electric, you know, Mm -hmm. like I wouldn't have had any way to now I probably would have loaded all the crap up and went to my mom's, but if we didn't live near my mom, you know, that wouldn't have been an option. And I think we talked about this last time too, is this sort of comes circles back around to the whole community reliance thing. And like, if you don't have the resources where you live right now, do you have friends that, okay, now, like Missy said, in the heat of the moment, these things get super crazy. But do you have friends that like, you know, if you were in a situation where your, you know, maybe even just your power goes up because something happens at your house, mm-hmm. can you take your stuff over to a friend's and like hook up to their propane burner? Or, you know, do they have some woods on their property? You guys can make a fire, get some, and this stuff sounds so extreme and maybe it is, but it's just like Missy said, it just makes sense to think the next step ahead. Like living in the moment is awesome. And you should definitely be doing that. But thinking like Missy and I always, we always pick on our kids because we're always like, what's the next step? You know, because they'll be working on something. And they'll ask us a question. We're like, okay, what's the next step? Um, and not picking on them, but just helping them see like, you know, hey, let's plan ahead. Yeah, plan ahead. Just do some planning. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that all it just all makes sense. The planning and the diversification um, when it comes to food storage is is almost necessary. And don't be overwhelmed. Like if you have not if you literally have the fridge and freezer that's in your kitchen and you're feeling that urgency, like, OK, I really need to start doing a little bit more than buying what I need for the week, um, you know, start with. I would say start with the chest freezer because the dehydrator is cheap and you can do a lot with your dehydrator, but that freezer, you're literally going to plug it in. It's going to cool down and you're going to start throwing stuff in it done. And it's there. And so once you get that and you get that freezer full, then move to the next step. Okay. What can I do with this now? Maybe I can start learning how to can, or maybe um, I can start learning how to dehydrate, or maybe I'm interested in a freeze dryer and I want to take that leap to get that. So, you know, start with one thing. Don't get overwhelmed. You know, Missy and I didn't just right out of the gate, have a pressure canner, a freeze dryer, freezers, a dehydrator. You know, we didn't have all these things. Um, Like I said, when I lived in my little tiny apartment, I had a chest freezer. That was it. Uh, And maybe I went over and helped my mom can some like mustard or something. You know, I did nothing. So, you know, you have to build up to these things. They don't just happen overnight. Right. And don't act out of fear. Just act out of wanting to be prepared. Like, don't let fear drive you into buying a freeze dryer. Fear drive you into buying a dehydrator. Just think, like Mandy said, okay, I'm going to start, you know, planning for two weeks when I go to the grocery store instead of just one week. You know, you'd be surprised with that extra week, you know, that the securance that has, um, you know, in your mind, just knowing, okay, I don't only have one week of food plan. Now I have two. Just start small steps, but don't, don't let fear be the reason you're going to do this because then you make ridiculous purchases, things that you won't use. And it's just a waste. Yeah. And I really feel like there are small steps that even if, you know, I know some people that we've talked about this in our wayward homesteaders group, that they feel the urgency to, be prepared, but they maybe aren't necessarily um, interested in 
preserving food or canning or whatever. And I hear that. I mean, personally for us, like this is such a lifestyle that I can't even imagine like not doing those things. Mm -hmm. But I realize that not everyone is into the same things. Um, So like I said, the freezer is, and that's why I wanted to make sure that we included freezing in this series because I feel like everyone always talks about canning, freeze drying, dehydrating, et cetera. And those are great things. And I love all those things. And I'm super passionate about all those things, but they're not accessible for everyone. You know, some people, if they're, you know, they have an autoimmune disease or, you know, whatever, maybe they only have the stamina to stand at the counter and bag up five bunches of bananas and then they need to go rest, you know? So a a freezer is accessible maybe for them. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe standing over a hot stove pressure canning for 10 hours is not. Um, so, you know, like we said, our goal with this series is just that there's something that everybody can do. Everybody can do a little something to get closer to, um, you know, having food security and being a little bit more reliant on themselves and a little less reliant on the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think we hit all the things. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably all we wanted to talk about as far as freezing goes. Um, so next week, whoo, the fun ones. I mean, <laughs> freeze drying was probably my favorite. But um, so next week, we're going to talk about water bath canning. Um Water bath canning, in my opinion, was a lot less scary to get started than pressure canning. Um, Now that I'm pressure canning, I'm like, I don't know what you were scared of. But, you know, pressure canning, everyone hears that and thinks they're going to blow the roof off their house. So we're going to talk about pressure canning um, in two weeks. So next week, we'll talk about water bath canning. We'll touch on things like canning peaches and applesauce and making jams. Um, So things that, that you can do with a water bath canner. And again, water bath canning is a great second or third step. Like maybe you start with the freezer, then you do the dehydrator and then maybe you move into water bath canning um, because the materials, what you need to get started is really not super expensive um, in comparison to say a pressure canner or a freeze dryer. So, um, you know, if you're like a mid grade, maybe prep setter, then I think that water bath canning is, is really like middle of the road, not super hard. You can and pick up on it pretty easily. So tune in with us next week. We'll talk about that. Um, and then, I, like I said, we'll do pressure canning um, for the fifth one in this series, and then we'll be moving on to our next series. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have questions about freezing food um or you have questions about canning for our future episodes uh let us know those in the we'll put some things in the show notes about today just kind of give you the the quick pointers that we feel like are the most important so we hope you guys have an awesome week and we'll see you again next week thanks for hanging out with us bye friends bye